Welcome to Dope Labs, a weekly podcast that mixes hardcore science, pop culture, and a healthy dose of friendship. This week, we have a special episode that was recorded live at the Great Northern Festival in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We had so much fun during this live show because we talked about the science of all things winter and what better place to talk about the science of cold and all things winter than the coldest place that I have ever been to in these United States of America. (laughs) And we got a lot of flack, TT. Mm -hmm. On Instagram, people were saying, why didn't you tell us you were having a live show? Well, y'all are spicy, spicy in the comments, Mm -hmm. but we're going to go ahead and tell people now we have a live show on April 14th at 7 p.m. at the Boston Museum of Science. So if you're in the greater Boston area, come out and join us. Tickets are free. All you have to do is register and you can get the same energy on April 14th. (laughs) Yes, there will be a link in our show notes for you to register and come again. Those tickets are zero dollars and zero cents. So we want to see you. All right, let's get into it. Here's our conversation recorded live from the Great Northern Festival. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, You really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Too hot. Too hot. Too hot. You threw your mic pack My off. mic pack flew off. How are y'all feeling? <laughs> Thank you all so much for being here. It is cold. <laughs> I was like, I wouldn't come. <laughs> but we're glad that you did. <laughs> Very glad. glad. All right. So we like to have a little bit of fun. You know, I don't know. Anybody here? Has anybody heard Dope Labs before? Some people, okay. Okay, okay so y'all have been in the lab. All right, okay, all right. Okay. So you already know it's gonna be some cackling in here. We're gonna be yeah. laughing a lot tonight. Um, for those of you that don't know us, I'm Titi. And I'm Zakia, and we both host Dope Labs, uh, which is our podcast that's for people who like science and for people who are just like, mm, I'm not quite not sure. Interested. Okay, <laughs> I'm not quite sure. So we wanna have a little bit of fun with y'all for just a little backstory. Our podcast is built on like our experience as grad students. So I'm a molecular biologist slash geneticist. Uh, You know, I've done a little (laughs) bit of biochemistry, all of that, right? And when I was in grad school, I met TT. Yes, and I was starting grad school and I was, uh, I'm in material science and engineering, mechanical engineering, a little bit of chemistry, 
a little bit of biomaterials, but not really. I'm not going to pretend like I know any biology. <laughs> <laughs> and so we liked for our podcast to feel like what we think our experience was, which was friendship and science, but not like dry eye science, right? Yeah. A little bit of exciting science. And so we graduated, and this is maybe 2014, 2015, yeah. getting on up into the 2016 and 17. Anytime we told a joke, we said something that everybody else was saying. We should have a podcast. Absolutely. Right? Like, if you left our joke, we should have a podcast. Yeah. Like, isn't that what everybody's doing? Isn't that how it goes? <laughs> so that's kind of where we started. And we just wanted to bring this, you know, care for each other, yeah. this passion for science, and a passion for explaining science. Mm -hmm. So I like to say, well, TT says it most of the time, <laughs> that I never meet a stranger, okay? Never. I'm Southern. That's, that's how it works. And, you know, we would go out and talk to people. And we well, say, she was doing most of the talking. <laughs> I was just doing the listening and like, hey, this person may kill us. <laughs> no need to fear. I'm good in hand-to-hand -hand combat. But if people found out that we were scientists, they would ask questions like, you know, uh, I never figured, I never understood, like, why is the sky blue? People say it's something, you know, that's really simple, but can you explain it? Or they would ask, I don't understand, about buoyancy. How do ships stay afloat? Or they would ask things that were more biological, biological in its background, where Zakia would really be able to chime in, and I would just be listening and, you know, sipping my tea. <laughs> but I think what we found is this is where we really loved yeah. science, at that intersection of excitement and question asking and accessibility. And so that's what we try to do with Dope Labs, and that's what we're going to try to do with y'all tonight. Okay? Awesome! Buckle up, buckle up! Buckle up, all right? <laughs> so, when we were saying, like, okay, first of all, girl, it's gonna be cold. It's gonna be cold. It's and we're not cold. ready. That is, those are the two things that we knew. It's gonna be cold, and we're not ready. I'm gonna tell one of TT's secrets, and she's gonna be upset. Maybe. <laughs> oh, no. She wanted to wear a snowsuit for this. <laughs> it was for fashion's sake. I thought you all would really appreciate it. You would understand. You would say, listen, I see you. I know what you're doing. It didn't come in time. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I said, mm, that could be a good end. You know, when we're talking about science, there's just so much we could start with. When we think about pop culture and what's happening, I said, what will people want to hear from us? Um, maybe we could talk about the Lunar New Year. That's maybe, happening. Maybe, yeah. And then I said, maybe we could be spicy and talk about... Joe Rogan. Mm. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but then I said we should really talk about what's really happening today. And the people aren't really, I haven't seen too much on Twitter or Instagram about it. But it's Groundhog's Day. Yes. <laughs> now, I grew up in Maryland, so that's just south of Pennsylvania. And Punxsutawney Phil, this isn't him. I know him when I see him. <laughs> Every Groundhog Day, it's like, well, at least in Pennsylvania, it's a holiday and everybody's waiting to see if the groundhog sees his shadow and we're keeping our fingers crossed that he doesn't so that we don't have to experience any more cold winters. But it turns out this morning he did. I think you guys didn't really care because it's, it's just <laughs> hard for the course. <laughs> but everybody on the East Coast is not very happy about it. And so when we started thinking about, you know, groundhogs, now TT has way more experience than I do with yes. the groundhog. Like go that, way back. Yeah. Not so much in North Carolina. We don't really check in with that. But I was like, is there a science to it? Not really. I feel like this is just, <laughs> you know, people are just having a good yeah, time. Yeah. Having a good time. 
But then we did start thinking like, how do we know about what's going to happen? Severe weather events mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and change in climate. And I think that's a big theme of the Great Northern. And so, you know, we have been, we've had a couple of episodes. Some of you may have heard them. We talked about some of the fires that we've seen on the West Coast, that we've seen in Australia. And just, you know, I think trying to get that sweet balance when we're talking to folks about the difference between weather, day-to-day, -day, <laughs> like today, supposed to feel like minus 15, <laughs> okay? And people, you know, if, you, if I share that on Instagram, people are going to say like, oh, that, that just shows you climate change. It's not really it's that not, warm. Right. Look how cold it is. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're talking about climate. That's over a long period of time, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing all of these severe weather events mm -hmm. tied to increasing temperatures, uh, ocean acidification, seeing melting of snow. And so we're seeing a lot more things that feel like heat waves, seeing yeah. way more heat waves. We're seeing, you know, hurricanes, way yeah. more hurricane activity than I ever remember. Now, I don't have many years uh, <laughs> of record. I don't have many years we're of record. Young, <laughs> but we're seeing way more of this stuff. And that still feels like it's related to winter. You know, it's mm -hmm. still related to all, all these things are kind of tied together. And so I think we're starting to see a change and people coming around the corner for kind of seeing that we all are tied together. Like these borders of What's Minnesota? What's Wisconsin? What's, I don't even know if those are right beside each other. Don't judge me. Um, <laughs> we didn't say we need geography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a science, but it's not mine. And, you know, and so, you know, that's, that's really like fake kind of. I mean, it's artificial, yeah. right? Because what's happening on the East Coast, what's happening in the Midwest, all of that is all tied together. What's happening in, in, uh, in the North Pole, mm -hmm. in Antarctica, uh, in the Pacific Ocean. You know, we just saw a volcano eruption there. All of those things are tied together. And that's because this is all the water that we have. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know what y'all learned in elementary school, maybe, about the water cycle. Anybody have a water cycle song that they know? <laughs> no? Oh, I see somebody said maybe. <laughs> it's a spotlight. You're saying no now? No, I promise you it that was, was maybe. She was going to put you on the I was spot. I mean, I thought we were having a good time. <laughs> and so I had a water cycle song, and it was like condensation, evaporation. Precipitation on my mind. Okay. Anybody heard that? I've never heard that. That's hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all part of the water cycle, and it happens all the time. That was that second verse. But when we think about that, this is all the water mm -hmm. that we have. So mm -hmm. what's happening in Australia? Runoff on the roads and into the rivers and into greater bodies of water, you Absolutely. know, into different basins. Mm -hmm. That's the same water from... That's ancestral water, right? <laughs> like, that's water that evaporated. Your grandma's water. That's your grandma's water, you know? And when you really think about that, that, that water has a record. Like, that water has a memory. Has and, and we have to take care of it. Mm -hmm. One of the things we've been seeing is over time, right? When we look at, when we think about climate and we think about changes mm -hmm. on a really large scale, mm -hmm. over time, we're seeing some warming oceans. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it may feel good for a vacation, you're like, oh, it's warm out here, you know. Oh, get my, you know, get my selfie, get my pictures off. Right. But that's not the only thing that's happening with these oceans. Mm -hmm. What we're also getting is what I like to call spicier oceans, okay? <laughs> now, anybody suffer from, like, acid reflux or heartburn? Y'all don't have that either? 
So y'all didn't know the water cycle and you don't have heartburn. Okay. I'm just keeping I'm keeping it's just score. You. It's, just it's just you. me. It's just you. Well, if I'm if I'm trying to have a good time, I'm definitely having a Rolaids. Okay. <laughs> the ocean is acidifying. Anybody heard of that before? Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. We got an informed crowd. So when we think about what does it mean to acidify, we know about the pH scale. Mm-hmm. Um, have y'all seen alkaline water? Okay, they say like that's pH nine and above. So if you look at this scale up here over in the blues, that's your alkaline. Um, what else is in the blue? Bleach is alkaline. Mm. I'm trying to think, soap is alkaline. Mm-hmm. The ocean should be neutral. We want it to be around seven, okay? Uh, when you start to get over into the acidic areas, you get into like lemon juice and tomatoes and coffee. Those are the things that bother me. Um, <laughs> and then stomach acid, which is around like pH two. Now, our oceans are, because of the activity that we're having here as inhabitants of planet Earth, mm-hmm. our oceans are starting to capture a little bit more carbon dioxide. And we're getting this intricate process. I won't take you through the chemistry, but if you ask me later, I will. And um, we're getting some ocean acidification. And people are like, oh, don't be so alarmed. Right. It, the pH is only changing. Like We're looking at steps of one here on this scale behind us. But the pH is only changing by zero point, like 0.1. So that's only a little bit. And I said, my friends, mm-hmm. okay, you're missing the point. It's a log scale. And so if you guys have seen, you know, not to take us back to the past few years and what's happening, <laughs> but we've seen log scale before. And so that 0.1% change or 0.1 step change mm-hmm. is about a 30, 30% change in acidification. So we're getting way more acidic. I don't want to swim in a gin and tonic. Like I don't want, it, <laughs> I don't want the ocean to feel like that. And it's not just me. If you won't do it for yourselves, if we won't change our behavior and stuff for, you know, the future generations, at least do it for the delicacies that we love, okay? (laughs) So what we know with this, like, ocean acidification is that we're losing basically our gems, our treats, our oysters, and other um, organisms that create shells and exoskeletons, crustaceans. Anybody like shrimp? I'm going to stop asking. Don't oh, thank ask you. them. They don't eat anything. They don't they eat don't, anything. They don't have heartburn. They, yes, and they don't know about the us. water cycle. It's just us. Okay. So <laughs> you, you guys do know some crustaceans and you care about those. And so <laughs> we're thinking about, you know, when we look at the projection for what the pH of the ocean might be based on the changes that we're seeing now, we're thinking at the end of the century, so 2100, it's wild to say, uh, that when they've done, scientists have done experiments and they're saying like snails and things that create shells that are in the ocean, uh, the shells are dissolving like within 45 minutes because of the acidification that we expect to have. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, we gotta make some changes. Absolutely, absolutely. And one of the major changes that we have to also think about when it comes to these delicacies that are in the ocean that we're thinking about is microplastics. I think all of us are aware that our ocean has a huge plastic problem and Plastic is a really interesting material. I'm a material scientist, so we'll talk about it just a little bit and we'll keep going. (laughs) Plastic, there's no way for it to degrade. The plastic that you see in everything that we we have in our clothes, that we have in um, our shoes, that, that we have in pretty much every corner of our rooms, that plastic will exist forever. It will never degrade. And it has to go somewhere. And one of the places that it's going is into the ocean. Right now, they're saying that a majority of the microplastics that are found in the ocean are from textiles, so like clothing and things like that, because apparently y'all are throwing your clothes away in the trash. I didn't know people were doing that. I didn't know I had plastic clothes. (laughs) (laughs) 
the cotton is the fabric of my life. <laughs> um, car tires. Okay. Uh, I thought that was rubber. Material scientist, I, I defer. <laughs> <laughs> City dust. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, if you've been to New York, you know what city dust is. Oh, yes, You're not basically right. chewing the air. It's <laughs> nasty. Um, and then also what's really interesting is another large part of it is road markings. Hmm. Road markings are actually thermoplastic. So I don't know if you've ever seen some road markings being put down, but like they'll put fire on top of it. It helps it adhere to the road. So it has synthetic materials, it has resin, and uh, it's not just paint. And so when it rains, when it snows, and it runs into our sewers, that's where it gets incorporated into our water system, and then that eventually gets out into the ocean. So there have been a lot of studies that have been done to figure out how much plastic is there actually in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, let's, let's show them. So there was a, some research that was done with SALPS, um, and they, over eight years, they looked at the gut of uh, over 100 SALPS, and they found microplastics in all of their stomachs. So the reason why they chose this type of fish, I had never even seen this before. It looks very strange. I thought that strange. was a toy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is because it's a filter fish. They live about a mile deep in the ocean, and to propel themselves through the ocean, they take water in and then they push it out. And that's also how they eat. So then they became like a, a really great uh, animal to look at to figure out if there's microplastics. They found microplastics in all 100 over eight years. So they are estimating that in the ocean that there is about 8 million microplastic particles per cubic meter. I thought you meant total. I thought you were gonna say total. No. Per cubic per meter. Per cubic meter, 8 million microplastics. So it's a problem. It's a really, really big problem. And so, like I was saying, when you have all of these ways for the microplastics to get into our water system, into our ocean, and like Zakia was saying, this water is all that we have, and it has that closed loop, so it's really cyclical. You know, it rains, it goes into the water, it evaporates, it goes back into the sky, we drink it. Now they're finding microplastics in snowpack, in mountains. They're taking samples. This is, from, this is a paper from Europe but they've also found it in Colorado. So we know that there's microplastics in the snow. And so then you think about the animals that live there, the people who drink water that's really fresh, for, that comes from the mountains. And what does that mean for us as humans mm -hmm. and as how we consume? So when you think about snow and microplastics in the snow and snow formation, it seems really possible that Microplastic could be in the snow that's just falling down onto our streets. Because if you think of the structure of, of water, so H2O, when it's, when it's frozen, it makes this really discrete hexagonal pattern. And so as a snowflake grows, it's going to expand in a way that only that fits that hexagonal pattern, which is why snowflakes are always pretty symmetric, but they also are never the same, as we all know. And the reason why they're never the same is because up in the clouds when you have the water vapor, so 
Some people think that snowflakes start from a water droplet. That's not true, it's water vapor. That water vapor then condenses onto a piece of dust or a piece of plastic. <laughs> and that's when it starts to grow. So if you go back one side, uh -huh. you can see that dependent on, depending on the humidity, so the amount of water vapor that is in the cloud, and then the temperature at the time, that dictates the size and shape of your snowflake. So the colder it is, the more it's, the snowflake stays pretty flat, the warmer it gets. Uh, no, the colder it is, the more intricate the, the design gets. The warmer it is, the more it stays flat. The more humidity, so the more water vapor, you can see that it becomes more and more and more intricate. And these snowflakes aren't the same because they're, while they're in the, their water vapor state and they're beginning to grow, they're traveling through these clouds, they're flying all over the place, and no two snowflakes take the same path. It's kind of like people. And so by the time they reach, reach their critical mass and they start to get too heavy to stay inside of clouds, that's when they start to fall down. And so when you start to think about snow and microplastics, it really makes you think about how, you know, when we were kids and we would go outside and it was snowing and you stick it hung up. Mm. Now it kind of it ruins that for everybody because you don't want to do that too much, I don't think, anymore because then you might end up pooping Legos. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll have more from our live show at the Great Northern Festival. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back, but before we get to today's show, just a heads up that next week we have a really great episode for you. It's all about the connection between our minds and our bodies. We're talking to Dr. Suzanne O'Sullivan about psychosomatic disorders, so don't miss it. Now let's get back to the Great Northern Festival. I'm not up for pooping Legos, but I think <laughs> the thing we have realized, so we've been here for a couple days. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the major takeaway, I've been having a good time. I've been having a great time here, okay? I came here from Atlanta, I, I put on, I bundled up, and I said, wow, winter is different here. Like, y'all are doing stuff. No one's staying at home, everybody's out. These winters are not created equal. No. Winter for me, I'm like, oh, dreary, there's nothing to do, everything's closed, mm -hmm. uh, there's no snow. Um, <laughs> and even the call, even the thought that there might be snow, uh, there's way less activity than we see here. Um, and so, you know, I just have been like, we could, could learn something. We could learn something. You know, um, maybe we could, maybe I need to be here in the winter. Like, to see all the things that are going on with the Great Northern, I don't know if you guys have done anything else uh, that's part of the festival. I, I mean, you have uh, pond hockey. Mm -hmm. I see people doing some things. I'm going to show you in a little bit because mm -hmm. I, I have some questions for y'all. <laughs> um, you know, people doing all kinds of stuff. Just outside, having a good time, uh, brewery tours. Um, 
I just don't know. We don't have that. And no. I want it. I want it. But I was looking, when I started looking, I was like, why is, you know, I'm in Google, like, why is winter more fun? <laughs> so awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so awful in Atlanta and so great here, okay? So, and I found this different kind of winter that I hadn't heard of. So, you know, we saw a volcanic ero eruption a couple weeks ago uh, that was really devastating in the southern Pacific Ocean, in Tonga. And when I was looking at that and looking up different stuff about winter, I came across the volcanic winter. Anybody ever heard of that before? Oh, I see somebody says yes. Well, I hadn't heard of it. Me either. And we're going to talk about it real quick. Okay. So a volcanic winter is basically you have a volcano that erupts and it is pushing up so much ash and you have uh, sulfur mm -hmm. as well that you basically create this cloud of debris and particles in the stratosphere. Mm -hmm. Now, we won't get into like what all those little things are and what's happening. I won't walk you through that. But what you basically create or what the environment or the atmosphere mm -hmm. creates is... Now we're going to switch to summer. You know those little uh, reflective things you can put in your windshield so the car doesn't get too hot? It basically creates that in the atmosphere, right? And so any sun that's coming down gets reflected back, any heat. And so what you get is effective winter. So global decrease in temperature, mm -hmm. two to three degrees globally, just from a powerful volcanic eruption. Mm. And I was like, is this for real? When I first saw it, because I hadn't heard of it before. I felt like everybody did a science project with a volcano. They didn't talk about it then. Nope. Um, and so I was like, wow, I, I'm not sure. I don't know about this. And I looked a little bit more beyond Wikipedia. And I said, oh, it looks like the last time this happened was in like 1912. But they can track this back to so many years ago. And I was like, well, what's the real, ev like, what's the real physical evidence of this? And there is some. They're taking full ice cores. Mm -hmm. So y'all are probably familiar with ice cores. We don't have that. <laughs> okay. But they're taking these ice cores and going so deep and pulling the ice out. And they can see volcanic ash covering. So if you look at that thick gray ring here in this mm -hmm. cylinder, evidence of a volcanic winter. So that's kind of like tree rings or, the, or in rock faces, how they can look back. Mm-hmm. And look mm. at like striations and things like that. Mm -hmm. Now, I love this kind of science. It feels really exciting. It feels, I can see it with the naked eye compared to like molecular biology, mm -hmm. which is what I've done. But it also feels a little unsafe. Like, do we know this isn't a load-bearing ice core? You know, like, I just feel like we shouldn't take too many of these, you know, punch outs right. from the earth. I feel like somebody should be regulated. Right. The whole punch in the earth, yeah. something's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. I've seen a lot of movies and, and that's usually how it starts. Yes. Now, this is what I want to ask y'all about. Yes. We've got questions. We've got, now I'm interested. I'm going to tell you, I'm in thermoculture. Mm-hmm. So y'all are dipping in different hot water baths while it's cold outside. They go from hot water, then cold water, then back to hot, then back to cold. I don't know how many cycles y'all do, but it's, 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 it's different. It's different. Now, we, don't, we haven't figured out the science behind this one, but... We're trying to find a way to make it an episode coming yeah. up, okay? And we're going to have to shout out all of y'all yeah. because, you know, this is your own thing. So when we do it, we're going to, you know, on social media, we're going to ask for a call. We're going to say, hey, let us know what you think. If you've ever done this, I want y'all to call in and tell us, okay? Yes. We want to hear it. And so another thing that we found that was very interesting when we were, you know, doing our Googles, why is winter so awful but seems so manageable to people in the Midwest Apparently, you are smarter. Yes, I, I think it's fair. Big up yourselves. Big up yourselves. <laughs> Big up to y'all. <laughs> there have been studies that have shown that 
folks that are in cooler climates are actually smarter. They make better decisions than people in warmer climates. And the studies that they were doing is that they would have, so apparently a comfortable temperature is 72 degrees. I know that probably sounds balmy to y'all. <laughs> But so they put folks that were in a room colder than 72 degrees by five degrees and then warmer. And they gave them a series of tasks. And almost 100% of the time, the people who were in the cooler rooms performed way better. And it's not even that they were able to perform better. They were able to choose routes to get to an answer that made more sense. They were more logical. And they didn't stray away from complex thinking. The people in warmer, in the warmer rooms, they would always just kind of take the easiest route to be able to finish whatever they were doing. Mm. So that was really, really interesting to me. And I said, wow, I, I, guess, I guess maybe the people in Minnesota know what they're doing and they, they've, got it, they've got it all figured out. They know exactly what to do. I mean, I saw the skywalk and that seems smart. Genius. Smart. It's genius. I was like, you don't even have to go outside. This is perfect. But then I was like, are they smarter? Because they also do things like this. And y'all seem to do it a lot and like to do it. And I don't really understand. It feels dangerous. It feels very dangerous. But luckily for y'all, I've taken a lot of physics. So I was, able to ex I was able to understand it a little bit more. So for something like the ski jump, you, I'm sure you've all seen it. The Winter Olympics is upon us. We are very mm -hmm. excited about it. With the ski jump, they go down that long ramp and they launch themselves into the sky. <laughs> and they all make the same shape with their body. And that's intentional, of course. And it's because of physics. They're making this shape with their body that is one, aerodynamic, but also gives them the ability to fly. So it gives them lift. So it's the same, it's the same thought process, the same physics that's used for airplane wings. You can see that the shape is roughly the same, right? The air that's passing over a ski jumper is going a lot faster. And what that does is it creates a difference in pressure. So there's higher pressure beneath them. And that pushes them up into the sky. Now, they don't have an engine on their backs. Mm -hmm. So they got to come down to the ground. And that's, well, that's not the only part that scares me. But they got to come <laughs> down to the ground. So once they reach their, their peak, they start to make their way down. They change the shape of their skis. And then when they hit the ground, they always make sure they have bent knees and they are able to distribute their, the energy that they have accumulated from going down the ramp so fast, flying through the sky, and distribute that energy into the ground and not into their bones and crash. <laughs> so that is something that I think you got to be pretty smart to be able to do that. So it, it lines up with the science. I mean, I think we got to figure it out. Like, y'all know something that we don't know yeah. on the East Coast. Yeah, because meanwhile, on the East Coast, a few weeks ago, we got a whopping four inches of snow. Mm -hmm. Okay? Imagine. <laughs> it was a dark time for us. <laughs> it, we were struggling. These people, these are real pictures. They were stranded overnight on the highway from four inches of snow because we don't know what we're doing. And... Those so, are warm temperature decisions, okay? <laughs> they, they need to lower the temperature when they decide how we're going to prepare for the snow. Exactly. And I mean, we've had... This isn't the first time this has happened. Now, this... <laughs> a couple of... Ooh, I don't know how long ago it was, but T.T. and I were in grad school. 
This is in Durham, North Carolina. Yes. This is a story we don't tell often, but... Y'all are friends now, so we're gonna Yeah, we're going to tell it. We both are in the lab, and uh -huh. I'm like, oh, girl, it's going to snow today. It, they always say it's going to snow. It it's, never snows. It North never Carolina. snows. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, we're going to go out. You know, so we're going to do our experiment, set everything up. We can go out after, after our experiments are done. And then they're like, no, no, the ice is coming. It's ice and snow. Everything comes to a screeching halt. So we're at Duke at the time. We're in the labs. Mm -hmm. But Duke is a major employer mm -hmm. in Durham, North Carolina. But also when Duke makes a decision, so does everybody else. Mm -hmm. So the whole city of Durham just says, two o'clock, everything's canceled. Everything's yep. closed. People School's are running out. around screaming. People are off work. Crying. Every yeah. <laughs> I mean... So we both parked in the same parking garage. Yeah. I was on like the top floor. It took us so long to get down out of the garage. And I said, TT girl, what, what do you think is happening? So we're FaceTiming each other, okay, <laughs> in the car, because we've been in there so long. And I said, this, you know, it's been 30 minutes. That's a long time to That's me, a, to be in the parking garage. To be in garage. the parking garage trying to get out. And the things I'm thinking about are like, so much exhaust. Should we all be here like this, you know? It, <laughs> It doesn't seem right. Now, normally the cars come and go, so you have time for this stuff to clear. You, do I have enough gas? I wait to the last minute for everything. Do I have enough gas if we continue to wait here and idle? I thought we were going to have to sleep there. I mean, just to give you a taste of the, the level of panic. Uh, we're in line, waiting to get, still waiting to get out of the garage, and somebody comes and knocks on my window. And it is a woman from my lab. Uh, she said, can you take me home to Chapel Hill? Which is about 30 minutes from here. I'm like, girl, I've been here 30 minutes. I haven't moved but one level. I won't be able to take you home. I said, what about your car? She said, I'll just leave it. Just take me as far as you can, as far as you can go and then I'll get and out. I'll walk. I mean, people were making those types of decisions at four inches of snow. Yeah. And I thought that she was being wild, but when we made it out to the street. When we made it out to the street, it was as if the apocalypse had happened. People had abandoned People their had cars. People had abandoned their cars. That's the reason why we were stuck. People just got out their cars and left their cars there. I know that would not fly here. I know y'all wouldn't have that. <laughs> uh -uh. First of all, the streets would be clean. Yes. And people were just leaving their cars parked at the light. Yeah. And so we, we were waiting behind cars that didn't have people in them. We both lived less than five miles mm -hmm. away from campus. Yeah. It took us four hours to get home. I thought they learned something from that. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't. We haven't learned a thing on the East Coast. <laughs> but one of the things that gets really impacted on the East Coast when things like this happen, I know you saw in those pictures that there were some trucks, the trucking industry gets severely impacted every time something like this happens. Like, we, we make jokes about it, but... There are truckers that are really struggling because they are trying to get us the things that we need in our grocery stores and the things that we are adding to cart on Amazon. Um, so one of the episodes that we did recently, yes. recently was about the trucker shortage. And calling it a trucker shortage kind of is misleading mm -hmm. because there are over 10 million people with a CDL. So a commercial... What is CDL? Commercial driver's license. Commercial driver's license. But only a third of them are trucking. And there's a reason, there's, the reason for that is because the trucking industry is modeling themselves after the fast food industry. And what they bank on, what they hope for, is that they can get people that are really excited, dedicated to become truckers, and then they burn them out. And then another person will come in right behind them. 
That sounds a little bit like nursing, science, Hello? medicine, academics. I'm like, yes, mm. <laughs> right. It sounds a lo- like a lot of industries, and you can that. I'm telling you, go back and listen to this episode because you'll find that there are a lot of tactics that overlay in a lot of the industries that we work in. And so you'll start to be like, wait a minute, are you trying to, what's going on here? (laughs) What's happening? And like all of these ways that we're being monitored and managed and being asked to put out really, really high productivity rates that seem impossible, it all goes back to the the invention of like the factory and the assembly line. What they did is that they had this thing called scientific management where they would find the biggest, toughest guy in the, in the whole factory and they would say, over the next hour, I want you to make as many of these things as you can. And if he could make 100, they would say, that's the, that's the, the line. Everybody needs to be making 100 of these an hour. And so then they would dictate what your productivity or how productive you were based on that benchmark. Mm-hmm. And that's the same tactic that they use in a lot of different industries, including the trucking industry. And so when we have things like that, should we call it a snowstorm? I don't know. Uh, a we, snow delay. Yes. <laughs> uh, we didn't have any, this is my actual grocery store. We didn't have any food. This um, is a couple weeks ago. This is a couple weeks ago. I haven't eaten since then. This is my first time eating. <laughs> there, was no, there was no food. The only food that was on the shelves were things that were prepackaged. So you couldn't find any fresh vegetables. There was no meat. There was no milk. There was nothing. There was plant milk. There was plant-based milk, which is just fine. But <laughs> there was, a lot of people were... Everybody came to the grocery store and we all just stared at the empty shelves like, what... What is actually going on? And it's because of all this backup and there's not enough truckers that are being valued Mm -hmm. and put into a a situation where they can flourish and do their jobs and do their jobs for a long time. And so that was one of the things that we found uh, when we were researching for this episode, Lab 39, Add to Cart. Um, 70% of all freight is transported by trucks. Mm-hmm. Um, the average truck driver on the road is driving 21 days out of the month and doing 14-hour days. That's a lot of time. I don't do anything that much. Sometimes you sleep that long. I can, I can sleep for a very long time, yes. But even that, I can't do that for that long. I feel like we really got to give the truckers their props, right? Like, Honestly. You know, when I was a kid, I used to go like this when I saw a Yes. Truck. I feel like we need to, like, do this but then do a heart. Yeah, like we should do something when we see them. Honestly, they're working very, very hard and they really don't get the the necessary props that they should be getting. And the other thing is that they don't also don't get any money when they stop. Yeah. Like when they stop driving, when they're when they're dropping their goods off, the clock stops. They stop making money. Yeah. And so there's a lot of initiatives out there that's trying to get them better uh, pay for their work. Um, But it's just really, really tough. So. That's what happens on the East Coast. I mean, I think it, again, to go back to the, if it's colder, you're smarter. Yeah, we haven't quite figured it we out. We haven't, we're not cold enough. We but just you know, need to, yeah. you really have to kind of say like, we should learn from each other. So I'm gonna try to take some tips that I see around here. We're gonna try to take some of that back with me to Georgia. <laughs> yeah. You'll maybe take something back with you to Maryland. And I know y'all have food, been rocking. probably, I'll probably take food. <laughs> she will, she will. And y'all have been rocking with us throughout this. And you may say, I thought they were talking about winter. 
how are we talking about trucks? <laughs> but, you know, I think we just are really excited to show you. We're just giving you just a tiny sliver. Like if we had a pie, not even a full slice mm-hmm. of what it's like between us, right? We just are sharing. Our it's like, this, you're in our brains. You're with us. You're with us. And so, you know, although we were talking about winter, I feel like just to recap, we've talked about quite a few things. You know, we talked a little bit about climate. Mm-hmm. Then we jumped into sharing all of this water. And then we said, let's do it for the bivalves, you know? So that's, that's for our uh, mussels and oysters and crustaceans, too, even though I don't really rock with them. And then we talked about plastic snow. We talked about volcanic winter, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. my friend told us all about, and those cores, those load-bearing cores. And I think I've really settled on winter is underrated. Like, y'all are doing it right up here. Mm-hmm. Winter's underrated. It is. It definitely is. <laughs> you've sold us. You've sold us. Yes, we've learned a lot about the physics of winter and how you all are able to maneuver on the ice and fly through the sky mm-hmm. with no problem. But our overall thing is that we got a lot to learn from you. From you. you. Yeah. <laughs> we have enjoyed our time with y'all. And unfortunately, I think it's over. But... Um, we have enjoyed you, and we hope that you will continue to check us out. Share us with your friends. Yes. Just as a reminder, we're only on Spotify, but it's free. And yes. it's every Thursday. And you can get as many doses as you like. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's it for Lab 57. Call us at 202-567-7028 and tell us what you thought. Hopefully that convinced you that you need us near you live soon. You can give us an idea for a lab we should do this semester by calling us again at 202-567-7028. And don't forget, there's so much more for you to dig into on our website. You can see a cheat sheet for all the previous labs, additional links and resources in the show notes. Plus, you can sign up for our newsletter. Check it out at dopelabspodcast.com. Special thanks to the Great Northern Festival for having us. You can find them on Instagram at the Great Northern Festival. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dope Labs Podcast. TT's on Twitter and Instagram at dr underscore tsho. And you can find Zakia at Z said so. Dope Labs is a Spotify original production from Mega Own Media Group. Our producers are Jenny Radelet Mask and Lydia Smith of Wave Runner Studios. Our associate producer from Mega O Media is Brianna Garrett. Editing and sound design by Rob Smirciak. Mixing by Hannes Brown. Original music composed and produced by Taka Yasuzawa and Alex Sugiura. From Spotify, executive producer Corinne Gilliard and creative producer Miguel Contreras. Special thanks to Shirley Ramos, Jess Borison, Yasmin Afifi, Kamu Elolia, Till Kratke, and Brian Marquis. Executive producers from Mega O Media Group are us, T.T. Shodia and Zakia Watley. <laughs>